This is The Big Sci-Fi Podcast. The biggest, most fun podcast in the galaxy. We're Adina, Brian, Chris, and Steve, and we love talking all things science fiction. This is season four, but our human adventure is just beginning as we gather around our computer consoles to discuss the science fiction of film, television, and literature. Join us on our quest for fun and fascination as we go where no podcast has gone before. Everyone has permission to come aboard the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, but make sure to find your seat fast because we're taking off in three, two, one. Hit it. This podcast is a part of the Trek Geeks Network. Who's the greatest? That is a question we always will debate and discuss. Is Sandy Koufax the greatest pitcher in baseball? Is Muhammad Ali the greatest boxer? Is Tom Brady the greatest NFL player? Is the big sci-fi podcast the greatest podcast of all time? Well, yes. Come on. Yes. No question. No question. You see? Three out of three say yes. But in the world of sci-fi movies or movies in general, who is the greatest director of all time? That gets a bit sticky. At by box, by excuse me, by box office take, the greatest is Steven Spielberg at 10.68 billion in gross sales. And number two is the person and his films we'll be discussing today, James Cameron. James comes in at 8.7 billion but is he really number two it took spielberg 39 films to reach that number an average of 274 million per film but james only has directed nine films to reach his lofty number average about 967 million per film so does that make cameron number one today we are going to talk about James Cameron's movie, specifically science fiction films, and determine, in our humble opinions, is he as great as all get out? So, to get things rolling, it's time for roll call of the big sci-fi podcasters. And as I like to do it, let's do an alphabetical order, but we will have a blank in the middle. So go ahead, Adina. Hey, everybody. The only thing I want to say is that I'm currently basking in the glow of being an author who's completed a series since we last talked. Yes. Fourth book of my series has come out. That's it. Was, I had to mention to, that. Was today launch day? Uh, it was yesterday. yesterday. By the time people are hearing this, it's it's been a little bit from then. And that's cool. And it's out. It's done. I'm on to other things. And yeah. Ooh. Can we get a sneak peek of what you're working on next? Maybe it will involve more robots. I can tell you that. Okay. <laughs> I promise not to go by book four and then read the last page. Okay. I will. <laughs> I have a terrible tendency of doing that. I can't That's wait for the step. end. I know. I usually like run right to the end. Like, <laughs> okay. So what? Ruby is what? No. I'm, well, I'm... let me ask you a question about that. Cause that's yeah. a, a worthwhile like point of, you know, so if a book has, and afterward, and I don't know if you noticed, but all three of my books up and, and the, now the fourth one has an afterward. Is it the last page of the afterward or a last page of the, the book proper? I usually look at the book proper uh-huh. and then I might read that afterwards. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm very particularly proud of this afterward because it's a my, my little spoiler alert. It's a bit of a fourth wall break, which I love fourth wall breaks so oh yeah they're always fun 
Absolutely. It, 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 it brings, it brings the audience in to the film mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. in this Our case, book. the book. The yes. Book. Yeah. In the book. Yeah. Okay. That's so it. we're, we're, we're missing Brian, the birthday boy today. Um, but he, by the time you're hearing this, it'll be after his birthday. So <laughs> hopefully he's gotten a lot of wishes from everybody while we're recording this. We're doing and time finally, breaks today. Yes. And of course, Mr. The Mr. Was Mr. Fox. Mr. Fox, Chris Fox here. Uh, I'm just happy to be here. I don't have, I'm working on film school stuff. So that's been taking up a lot of time, but I'm realizing that I love writing scripts. I'm enjoying Celtics. And I have a bunch of ideas that I'm now formulating back and forth. So um, keep working on that. I owe you the link to the uh, site for script writing software, and I will get that to you. Thanks oh, for reminding okay, cool. me. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and for myself, um, hey, it's it's just it's just another Wednesday, but that's okay because my. Again, this will be late, but my grandson's turning five this weekend. Oh. I am super jazzed to go down and visit with him. So, cool. yes. But, of course, this will be sometime afterwards. So, okay. Well, without any further ado, let's discuss the films of James Cameron. Now, <clears throat> James learned his craft at the feet of the great Roger Corman, the godfather of cheap, quick, and cheesy sci-fi and horror films. He made such great films as Little Shop of Horrors, the original black and white, and Bucket of Blood, and he did, I think, Laser Blast and films like that that were all done cheaply. But he he was where a lot of direct young directors went to learn their craft from, and I think um, Mr. Cameron learned well, considering that he made his first films were made on the cheap, but were successful. So um, with to mention his films, since there's only nine, in the genre of horror, he, his first film was Piranha 2, The Spawning. Never seen it, sorry. Yeah, I'm not going to watch it. I'm not a horror guy. Uh, love Story film was, of course, Titanic, his first major mm. success in films. He did make one action-adventure film, a wonderful movie called True Lies. If you've not seen it, for shame, it is... Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis at their funniest. Is this uh, You're Fired? Is that where that comes from? Was that True Lies? Or am I thinking of a different movie? I think it's a different movie. In in True Lies, um, you mean he the plays... line You're Fired? Or just like, I guess not that it comes from that, but like there's like the fame. I shouldn't, it's like one of his one-liners where he like fires a rocket and a guy's on the rocket oh, or something. And he's like, no, you're, you're fired. Abs you're and he's just that. being right. Yes. Carney. I believe at the end of the movie, when he fires a rocket from a, um, a, a hovering aircraft, one of the, um, and, and he, yes, I think he says mm -hmm. that line. That's the tagline, but, and then into sci-fi films, he's made the great, the Terminator aliens, the abyss, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, Avatar, Avatar, The Way of Water, with number three and number four avatars, avatars coming out at some time in the future. So, so looking over these films in, in those particularly sci-fi movies, I have a question real quick. Which ones have you seen? And have you seen other genre, uh, the other films that he's made as well? I'll start with you, Adina. So I think out of the, the list of nine... 
I have not, it's easier to say what I've not seen, which is Piranha okay. 2. Yeah. And I have not seen the recent Way of Water. So when we were preparing for this episode, I was like, oh, you know, I should go just stream it. And it's not on streaming yet. Like okay. I'm now spoiled. I'm like expecting to see anything that was in the theater recently to, to automatically be st- available streaming. And it's like, no, not not for another month or two. So I'm like, ah, well, that that kind of destroys my plans. But I was also surprised to learn. So I guess up until recently, I've never really paid, you know, when I was a kid watching movies or a teenager watching movies or a young adult watching movies, I like, yes, I was aware of Spielberg. I was at some point aware of James Cameron. I think I became aware of him when the Titanic came out, but I was never terribly aware of directors. So like, I'm now like surprised to learn that. So James Cameron did Aliens, but not Alien. Correct. Yes. You know, and and I, you know, I kind of want to spend some time thinking about that. And that's an interesting thing to do, like switch directors for a major feature film. Mm-hmm. Is that weird? Is that a weird thing to do? I don't even know. I don't it's know. Also, he like jumped into Piranha 2, which is weird. Yeah. Like, again, he didn't do Piranha 1. And I don't even know what Piranha yeah. 1 is. I mean, I'm I'm imagining piranhas literally in water snapping at you. And right. it not being good. But I'm also, I think, Chris, you mentioned not being a terribly into horror. Like, again, horror is not my my thing yeah. too much either. Mm-hmm. You know? But again, you know, every director has to get so- get going somewhere. Sure. And so I'm I would have I didn't really look into see if that was came out of um, Roger Corman studios, if that's where he had made that film or not. But, you know, as I said, you know, you've, you've got to start somewhere. And mm-hmm. since. He'd made Piranha 2, but only followed it. He would also make Aliens, number the second film as well. I guess. I don't I, know how that yeah, followed. Yeah. I mean, well, and Aliens is borderline horror. You know, Alien Aliens is borderline horror as well. It's We we consider it sci-fi, but come on. That's kind of horror movie, you know? No, no. The, yeah. the first one, without a question. Yeah. And here's an interesting thing. I was talking to my wife about it, and she said, when it came out, what was the big tagline from the film? In space, space. can no one hear you scream? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. But when the movie was being promoted, all you ever saw was the alien egg and yeah. that phrase underneath it. And that was it. So, you know, they really pulled you in. Whereas this one, you already knew about Ripley. You knew about her character. You knew mm-hmm. about the alien. You knew what its capacity was. He just amped it up and made it more mm-hmm. of a military film, you know, and a f- battle between humans and aliens. So he took someone's original concept and just mm-hmm. brought it up to another level. And in many cases, I do like the second one better because there's more character development. You get to know who Ripley is. You get some background story. And, um, First, yeah. when you get ash, though, ashes, yes, but see, I mean, and that yeah. to me is part of what like really solidifies it as an interesting science fiction film. Although there was Android in in Aliens too, wasn't yes. there? Yeah, but but Bishop. you wouldn't, Bishop. but yeah, yeah, Bishop, but you wouldn't understand why they feared Bishop. Yeah, if you true. haven't seen, haven't if seen you don't know about Alien, that's that's true. why. So yeah, so you have to watch them in order to really get the appreciation of them. We get it. it goes back to release date, as we always yeah. talk yes. about. Yes, yes, that's always yeah. my thing. Always watch and read things in the order that they came out. Now you can sometimes skip things. Like again, you can skip some things if you you know you don't have to watch all seven seasons of Star Trek: The Next Generation. 
you can skip some episodes, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you got to watch the key ones in order. Yes, yes. And so, uh, Chris, any of the ones listed or that you know of that you've seen of James Cameron? Uh, I know. Okay, so Terminator, Terminator 2, Avatar. I did see Titanic as a kid. I need to go back and rewatch it. And I feel like I've seen bits and pieces of Aliens. I, oh, I gotta really? go back and like watch those. You've never seen um, Aliens completely. Never seen it completely. Wow! So I need to go back and actually not to watch it through, but actually watch it from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And there's a one where there's a regular a theatrical release and the director's cut. Ooh! And the right. director's okay. cut asks, adds about twenty minutes to the film a very important background story that to was not aliens included. yes so it helps so is it oh worth god yes mm, the, watching the directors got, or the, the director the theatrical no, i i i have seen I, again i saw it in the theater when it came out as it was mm-hmm. and then when the director's cut came out it was first available only on a device known as a laser disc oh i was so, wondering to actually see a laser disc I remember that. yeah my my friend doug sloan had a laser disc of that doug movie sloan. and i always wanted to see it but then finally they did release it on dvd and in that particular package you get both films you can watch either the theatrical or the director's cut and even when you watch the director's cut James Cameron does a little opening saying, you know, how much better the movie is because this was added. And, you know, again, when you're in the theater, they can only have it it wasn't the time of Endgame where we can just sit in the theater for three or four (laughs) hours and watch a movie. They wanted to keep it tight and concise. Good old days. I do like like concise. I do. I mean, I I do enjoy the two hour, three hour movies, but it's like if you can get like an hour, two hour movie that's 90 minutes, 90 90 minutes. minutes, Like, oh, I love watching track. It's like, oh, yeah, that's like what? An hour and a half. Mm -hmm. It's perfect. Well, And the original Star Wars, the original, original Star Wars and like Back to the Future. Yeah. Oh, those are all those trilogies are like so like just so well crafted. Mm -hmm. They're concise. Mm -hmm. You go in, you get out. Yes. Yeah. Well, I've I've seen all of them except for Piranha 2, which my heart is not broken because of that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when when Titanic came out, I thought, oh, this is just an overblown movie. It It's not going to do very well. And I was completely oh, wrong. Titanic about was that. amazing. And yeah. I mean, I feel like we just, you know, always that the story of Titanic was has just always been there in our culture. And I remember. So, Steve, you probably I don't. I don't expect mm-hmm. Chris you to remember this, but Steve, I expect. Do you remember sometime in the 1980s when they located the Titanic and they did like a a live hauling up of the safe and it was a Geraldo Rivera, Geraldo Rivera, Rivera Riviera, was no, like they well, were gonna they were opening it live on TV and that was like a big TV event. I I think that was Al Capone's safe. No, no, and, no. This is no, this was, it, was this the was the Titanic? Titanic because I really? remember okay. they. You know, talking oh, really? about how to how they found it and okay. all those things. Now, there was there was something else with Al Capone yes, too. But but I but think they no. did, they must have done but because I can uh, still picture must have done both. Yeah, I can still picture like the water falling off out of mm-hmm. it and everything like that. Yeah, I mean, and I think they, those two events might have happened within a year or two of each yes. other. Yes, um, because they were like it was a big television event mm-hmm. to having to like. See- 
to see this. Were they going to find the necklace in there, even though it was fabricated for well, the movie only? But yeah, they didn't. Well, that's it. They didn't know what they were going to find. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they just had like it was like wads of cash that were just like mushed together. Mm -hmm. That's that's kind of what I have. I wonder if yeah. there's like on YouTube. Well, oh, I, there I, must I might... be. I yeah. might yeah, like should, on find like find this like while we're talking. I might no. be like looking in the background. Well, that's where you know his his love of deep sea investigation came about, which got him to make the move of the abyss, mm -hmm. and a lot allowed him also. I think I wrote it down here or not, but um, he actually went to the bottom of the Marianas Trench, the deepest part of the ocean on his own in a submersible so he was very well versed in underwater filming when he made uh the abyss and that mm -hmm. also was came about of his investigation and helping out to find the, the remains of the titanic so that kind of led into making that particular movie so um, i Found. I get what you said. Aha. I found well, this isn't quite what I remember, but maybe it is, and I'll watch it later. But it's a October 28, 1987. Telly Savalas, another ah. name I haven't heard in a bazillion years, hosted Return to the Titanic live from Paris, France. This was the rare television special and also an interesting detailed documentary, which recalls blah 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 blah. Features footage of artifacts and relics retrieved in an expedition to the ship. Mm -hmm. But I, again, I, I seriously remember Geraldo Rivera. Uh, her, am I saying it right? Gerard, Geraldo? <laughs> the name Geraldo Rivera. Oh, gosh, I think it's, yeah. I, it's, it's a mouthful. And uh, yeah. Titanic but, uh, Live. Safe mm -hmm. opening. Here we are talking about Titanic. And not I a know. science fiction well, but film. That was a, uh, but yeah. that's okay. It's But it's important in, in the development of, his, of him as a director because the success of that led to his ability to make other films mm -hmm. such as avatar and avatar mm -hmm. 2 which are were very expensive films to make mm -hmm. but oh, of yeah. course also have returned a tremendous amount of money i mean i think mm -hmm. i think the way of water has gotten to what over 2 billion dollars very quickly Ooh, i mean wow. the wow. the pent up i thought the i thought that being so long from when Avatar came out to Avatar 2 came out that the audience was like, well, this is so old, you know, mm -hmm. forget it. Or, yeah, but no, too. they were wait, they were waiting to go see it. And uh, I can say that, you know, it was Avatar 2 was very good. It's, again, visually an amazing film. Boring on animated. There is some some way they shot the um, live action footage, mm -hmm. the way they ran it through the computer, digitizing it, it almost looks like a video game. Mm. Very mm. interesting. But you, you'll see it. You'll have your own opinions and so on. I need to, I need to go and watch that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And then, you know, again, as other films, True Lies, a mm -hmm. hilarious take on you know the the spy films and where mm -hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger Arnold Schwarzenegger plays what seems like an average about man who is married just with a boring wife and daughter mm -hmm. and he's actually this super secret agent. It's very funny and really well done. It's a really good it, movie if people haven't really, seen that. Yeah, yes, I haven't cool. seen. You know, now now that we're talking about that one, it's been a while since I've seen mm -hmm. it. And Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis, that was one of her like top films. It's it's yeah. she's she does a strip tease in it that mm -hmm. makes women laugh. 
Yeah. Because she's so clumsy. And it's like, it just takes the edge off of it. It takes the edge off of it completely, but it's, it's really well. And, and he's great because here's a guy who truly loves his wife and he Mm -hmm. thinks she's having an affair and Mm -hmm. he realizes, you know, he's done all these terrible things as an agent, but he can't deal with the fact that his wife might be with somebody else. So it's really one worth watching. But um, let's 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 start off with his first successful science fiction film. That is The Terminator. You've both seen it, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. As I what were your thoughts about it when you saw it, or what did you think about it when you watched it? Well, I'm going to say, it's... oh, go ahead, Chris. Because it's a robot. Oh, know, I was going to say, just mm-hmm. watching it. Mm-hmm. Just like imagining, it's like, what do you do in that situation when literally the Terminator is coming after you? And there's like, it's just, it's a terror. It's really well done, but it's a terrifying. Not, I wouldn't say it's a scary movie, but when you think about that situation, it's like, whoa, this is this is crazy. Hmm. Hmm. But in the time when it came out in the early '80s, I mean, that was something new right. that people so- hadn't seen before. The cyborg in human skin mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. comes after you and he is essentially essentially unstoppable of course but what it actually is which is amazing it's one of these really beautiful love stories where um the main character uh sarah connor and the soldier from the future that comes into the past to save her her and protect her from being assassinated by the terminator how she doesn't trust him she doesn't believe him she doesn't know who he is she's afraid but as the story progresses she falls deeply in love with him and of course in a weird way they have her son which Mm -hmm. is the son that sends him back in time so it's kind of a loop like if he doesn't send him back in time he can't they can't make love so that he could be born so in the future he can send them back so there's that kind of a weird time loop there so i don't so the the one thing in your description though is yeah. like when you said her falling deeply in love with him she likes him she likes him a little i, I don't she I, feels I think sorry for him she, she feels something mm-hmm. but this isn't like a massive deep in love and love this is you know but, but remember adrenaline too like Yes. Yeah. Then remember, he's the the um, with Reese, I think was his name. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Reese is the character. Yeah, Reese. He says, "I came back in time to save you," because he was given the picture Uh and he fell in love with the picture before he even met her. And then he, yeah, yeah. and then he had time. He had a lot of time to fall in love with her. She had like a minute. She's not. She's just. She's but in the she moment. Could have, she could have refused him, but she, she doesn't. Could have, and no, she, no, she doesn't. Yeah, yeah, she likes yeah, him. Yeah. But this isn't like a mad deepening. She barely knows the guy. This is a passionate. This is a, a passion thing. Love at first sight? I don't know. Anyway. I don't think it's love at first I think it's no. okay. Well, you're kind of attractive. There's a robot chasing yes. me. Cyborg. Yeah. You're going to help well, me yeah. out. I mean, that's not bad to, hard to look know, at. Yeah. A lot of people talk about and complain about, and I, and I agree with this concept of in, in books and movies and TV shows like Insta Love, where mm-hmm. people fall in love a little too quickly. That that's mm-hmm. just, it just, it, and, and it's usually they portray it as like the woman falling madly in love instantly with a guy. And I, and I do mm-hmm. have some issues with that because that's not 
usually takes a lot longer than yeah. that. But now again, having some passion and in the heat of the moment, there's some, there's a, some, there's attraction, there's sparks, there's passion. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. But she's not deeply in love with this guy. <laughs> Enough to bear his child. Oh, sure. So, so that, mean, will, that, that child can send him back in time so yes. he can make it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the, that's, that's a weird time loop there. Well, but yeah, she, the time she loop certainly, thing is cool. Yes, she certainly, you know, comes to she loves her child that she, mm-hmm. you know, winds up having. There's no 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 doubt about that. Mm-hmm. And then of course she understands that he has to survive to make it all happen, you know, mm-hmm. which yeah. sure, sure. Yeah. And then- and I'll be and I'll be honest, like I saw I saw Terminator. So Terminator 2 came out when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And when I saw it, I was aware of Terminator 1, but I don't think I had completely seen the entirety of Terminator 1 from beginning to end. Just because, so when the timing of, you know, Terminator 1 came out, I was too young to watch it. So I would have seen it either on like maybe like a Showtime cable or or VHS tape. And Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, because the thing is, after watching Terminator 2 in the theaters, which I did, Mm -hmm. I was like, I got to go back and watch this movie, you know, like to really process what I had what I had seen because I didn't completely know all the things. So this is a case where, and this is one of the reasons why I do believe in all cases, you see things in order because when you don't, you're like, eh. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Confusing for me, this was circumstantial. Again, I I was too young when Terminator one came out and who, you know, just, you know, back then we did not have instant access or easy access Mm -hmm. to everything Mm -hmm. all the time. So Mm -hmm. uh, things were a little bit more circumstantial than they are right now. And in the second film, Terminator 2, the great. Terminator is out to protect yes. the man that he it was, was sent to destroy in the first film. Oh, I love Terminator 2. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I can rewatch all the time. Whenever it's on, it's like, oh, yep. I'm going to watch Terminator 2 now. Yeah. You know that they also shot a separate ending where it's a happily ever after? No, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, it mm. was on uh, It was on a... Um, a DVD, I, I think, or might have been a VHS tape that a friend of mine had. We watched it, and it was the alternate where when she goes to the end, at the end, and she goes to the playground, everything is fine. Really? So he did, he did shoot a happily ending version, huh. hmm. <clears throat> but it was never released. Well, yeah, I, good, I remember seeing it. Because I don't know if that would have like actually worked, and I feel like it certainly wouldn't have really led to Terminator 3. Right, exactly. Exactly. But do people but, like Terminator Three? Are are people fond of that? I haven't there's... seen. So I'm, I have like huge, um, bl- not what's the word? Blind spots when it comes to that because mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen Terminator One. I like Two a lot. Mm-hmm. I've seen the recent one that came out. Mm-hmm. I don't think I saw the third one, and I didn't see Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't. I did not see Genesis. I did not see that uh, that other one that you're talking about. Which uh, but there's I Terminator did, Four. I did see the... Three. The mm-hmm. Rise of the Machines, and I it was okay. I, it was it was kind of like you know Terminator Two was like because especially that twist of him coming back to protect Sarah Connor mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. was a huge twist. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it just became like kind of okay, we're going to another action film. We're just continuing the story. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, they didn't have that kind of awesomeness anymore. So I saw Terminator Three, but it was like okay. Okay. Yeah, I like Terminator Three. I, I like the story, be, learning about John Connor meets his wife, mm-hmm. and how they develop their relationship, and how they survive at the end. So he becomes the leader of humanity at the at the end of the film when they're inside a 
military, you know, uh, uh, like a NORAD type of uh, mm -hmm. underground facility. Um, I, I, I liked it again. And it also expanded on the theme of a more dangerous, indestructible mm -hmm. Terminator. Yeah. And again, that's the always interesting thing because in the first film they destroyed the the time machine, but in the second film there had to be a time machine that was working. In the third film there had to be a time machine that was working. In the fourth film and mm -hmm. blah blah blah, you know. Yeah. So there's a kind of a, a change in the storyline. Yeah. Well, that's why I always now, get confused with that. Oh, mm -hmm. well, no, with no, because ahead. don't they? Um, oh, I'm blanking on the name. What's the name of the evil organization? Skynet. Skynet. Don't they? Skynet. Skynet. Don't they destroy Skynet in term in Terminator Two? Or like the guy uh, that, or no, like remember they, they, no. they save one of his arms, I think, yeah. and they have the chip in oh, there, and that's okay. how the yes, guy yes. is able to, it is able to proceed as opposed to having destroyed all the evidence or the information and so all now, the parts and everything. Now we're mm -hmm. getting away from a little bit the well, fact that, that so James Cameron, because he ended with Terminator Two, he did he did right. Terminator and mm -hmm. Terminator Two, he did not direct any of the rest of the movies. No, right. So that's no. something. So right, you were off topic. No, but that's okay <laughs> yeah. because because one leads to another, leads to another, and and how because what he did in Terminator Two affected Terminator Three and so on. So yeah, he kind of did that. But where, and I'm going to get into the thing that we were talking about earlier before we started the podcast is where does the great ideas come from? Now James Cameron claims that the concept and idea of the story of the Terminator came to him in a dream about a cyborg from the future coming into the past to, you know, do what he was going to do. However, I, when I saw it in the theater, much like the great Harlan Ellison, when he saw it in the theater, went, hey, wait a minute, I've seen this story before. Where have I seen it before? Oh, yes. From the Outer Limits from 1964-65, an episode, two episodes that Harlan Ellison wrote. One, Soldier, about a soldier from the future that comes into the our current time and has to protect a family. And Demon with a Glass Hand, about a story of invasion of aliens in the future, and they send a cyborg back into the past with all of humanity on him. Mm -hmm. And you had you see how he finds out that he is actually a robot when he thinks he's a human being. And when Harlan Ellison saw it in the movie, in the theater, he reacted the same way. I've seen this story before. And he immediately, of course, did what he does best, like you said, Adina. He contacted his attorneys yeah. and well, said, he, hey, mm -hmm. wait a minute, you stole my idea, James Cameron. Yeah. But now I feel like Harlan Ellison did that to like everyone. And everything. Well, and mm -hmm. and partly it's like, you know, he was very prolific. Mm -hmm. So and this is the thing is like where where like at some point all creators are mm -hmm. the sum of everything that they've taken in. So, you know, th there's this whole like thought of there aren't any new ideas. It's just how mm -hmm. you retell them. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, and so I went through the article mm -hmm. that you had, you know, where the guy did a examination of the whole story and he compared right. the outer limits episodes to the terminator and was like yeah there's there's some similar elements but you know it's different and so i don't know my take on it is okay but everyone's stuff draws a little element from here a little element from here a little every mm -hmm. ev everyone 
So, and it's kind of like along those lines, it's nothing egregious. Um, but it, but it yeah. was enough for him. And well, I, again, if in the article where Cameron claims or someone claims mm -hmm. that Cameron said to him, oh yeah, I stole these ideas from, from sure, Harlan Ellison. Or yeah. inspired by, I feel like well, it's a better. So the, the quote, term. you know, so, so James Cameron saying that, that sounds like something that, you know, that's hallway talk that you just kind of say. Like, yeah, I, I got my my ideas from Gene Roddenberry. I got my ideas from Star Trek. You know, like, yeah. it's yeah. not. Like, it like what about like the Orville? Right. Right. And Harlan well, Ellison was someone way. who would sue people at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. The, on, the only thing came out of it is that now when you watch the movie, mm -hmm. there is a line that they added into the credits that say with acknowledge with acknowledgement of the works of harlan ellison did he get any money out of the deal i don't know but the production company felt like they better just settle with harlan even though james cameron did want them to do it but he did yeah. so so well you know and and what you just said there's no new ideas you know if going back to the 1950s if you didn't have the honeymooners and i love lucy you wouldn't have situation comedy today mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. that was the beginning of it, and everyone has stolen from it's, that. It's not stealing. Borrowed. Well, it's, not steal. You're right. I'm sorry. Your take on a concept. Yes. Yes. Right. But yeah, and, and nobody's going to sue. You know, the, anyone yeah. to say, "Oh, you you you're stealing from the honeymooners. You stole from I Love Lucy." No, it's not the case. But it's just that if you wasn't for those original ideas, you may not have had a a, a, a future idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's true. I mean, like, where again, well, everyone's a sum of their experiences mm -hmm. and everything that has been yeah. input into their brain. Not that there's anything wrong because we end up with a great movie, The Terminator, mm -hmm. and we ended with another great movie, Terminator 2. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah. Harlan, if you're happy, fine. You're not with us anymore, sadly. Oh, well, yeah, to say. he's dead. <laughs> so, yeah. He's been dead for a long time. <laughs> yes. So with that in mind, it's like, okay, we're, we're, but it's just interesting where, yeah. you know, ideas come from. And, and, and I think the, the, his estate, the, his writings are now um, managed or owned. I don't know what the proper terminology is by mm -hmm. J. Michael Straczynski of Babylon 5. Fame. Oh, really? And uh, yeah. And there's the yeah. whole situation yeah. there too. I listened to the audiobook of uh, J. Michael Straczynski's uh, autobiography. I don't know, sometime within the last year. And he mm -hmm. talked a lot about Harlan Ellison and how he was inspired by Harlan Ellison, as was a bazillion other science fiction people, mm -hmm. you know, like bazillion other science fiction people. But then he came to know him a little bit. And then when, um, yeah, when Harlan passed, mm -hmm. he got cussed. Like I said, don't know what the right legal term is, but he's in possession of manages owns whatever the right word is okay uh, all of harlan's writings yeah. yeah listen if you think about it everyone owes hg wells a debt of gratitude because he was the mm -hmm. one who wrote the time machine mm -hmm. and here we are with movies constantly about the time machine right and i think so. that he it wasn't like hg wells i think there were mentions of the concept of time machines in literature even before hg wells yeah so like who do we yeah. really owe anything so if, if anyone if everyone men who mentions time travel mm -hmm. do they have to give you know well, the Wells a penny like yeah, exactly. no, no at some point it gets right it gets a little ridiculous exactly yeah. but again it it gave us a couple of really good films now i've always noticed and <laughs> it was even mentioned in the tv show abbott 
uh, Abbott Elementary. Avatar has so many touches to Disney's Pocahontas. If you if you ever watch the two next to each other, you see a lot of references can to I, Pocahontas in it. Can I mention another little film that I Go think ahead. is a lot like that? That we all because remember all roads lead back to this one franchise. What really? I've never heard of it before. Go I've ahead. Never heard of it. <laughs> no, Star no. Trek Insurrection. Oh my lord! I've never heard of Star Trek. My goodness! Tell me all about it. No. Go ahead. Well, so basically, Chris. so there was a gentleman named Gene Roddenberry. Oh. Um, <laughs> but well, I. But- Okay, but yeah, look, look again, still a fresh take on something that's yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. The theme mm-hmm. being you have a culture mm-hmm. that's either um, less advanced or insular or something mm-hmm. like that. And then you're coming into that culture to do something. Okay, sure. Yes, yes. Pocahontas is that. Yes, Insurrection yeah, is like that. Yes, oh, yeah. Avatar is like that. Criticism towards okay, Avatar. Yeah. right. Yeah. Well, but that's what I'm saying. It's like this is this isn't. It's it's okay for things to ring familiar of and, other things. There's nothing wrong and that's, with that. You're absolutely right. And that's how you get inspired to yeah. create different versions of something that is you're inspired by it. Yes, no one from Disney has gone to James Cameron and said, cease and desist order you stole from us. Right. Because that's not the case. It's right. not it at all. And I don't know. I mean, and again, the I again I don't know where some of the legalities or things mm-hmm. like like the lines are drawn, mm-hmm. but there's Pocahontas the movie and the movie script, but mm-hmm. Pocahontas the story, story. Yeah. is not owned by like that, that's a story in our culture that's not Correct. owned yeah. you know Disney did not invent the story of mm-hmm. Pocahontas they just wrote the script for that movie Avatar is clearly not that script you know no. so. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> but what what blew me away in Avatar hey. is when I was watching the movie and when they mentioned the element that they were seeking from yep. the planet. Mm-hmm. In the 1990s, I dealt with a precious metal trader by the name of Lenny Kaplan. Lenny. Wonderful gentleman. Lenny Kaplan. <laughs> nice guy. And he one time said to me, this is in the 1990s, he said to me, you know what the most valuable thing in the world is, Steve? And I went, what, Lenny? <laughs> As a precious metal. He said, unobtainium, because it's unobtainable. And there I'm watching the movie, and they're going, looking for unobtainium. And I'm yeah. going, holy schmoly. Lenny Kaplan, if he saw it, probably said, that's my line. But again, it's just, it's just a joke. Yeah, you know, he said it's a joke, and there's no similar relationship. But it is it is interesting how the thought process goes from one person. You know, maybe maybe that's an ongoing joke that's been around for a long time, and James Cameron decided to plug it into the movie. Mm-hmm. No, it has, and I was kind of really kind of funny. I like thought it was funny that they chose to do that. I thought that was a little ridiculous yeah. because it's I a little too was... on the nose. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, well, can't they? come up with like a like a different name for yeah. it because that's yeah. just yeah they're trying to like okay that's that's yeah it's on the nose yeah yes. I, and again I, you know maybe in so you know as we so we've named new elements mm-hmm. that have been discovered on the periodic table maybe someone will choose to name one unobtainium as a joke and maybe that will become the name of something but i feel like in a science fiction movie it was a little too it was almost it was it broke it, you out of it, was, it took you out yeah, of because, the story like yes, the movie, right. like yes, there's funny parts in the movie, but it's not meant to be a like a, mm-hmm. a comedy. It's not right. like a spoof. So right. if it was no. a spoof, right? I could see them intentionally calling right. it unobtainium. Mm-hmm. I can't right. even say it. Mm-hmm. But right. 
in a non-spoof, be- it like it breaks you out of the movie. It's like, and, wait, what? Yeah. Did they just say that? Say that again? Yeah, yeah. It's what I felt yeah. when I saw it done. Went, come on. Now here's another film where there is a director's cut of it, mm-hmm. and they add a lot of missing scenes, and you get more of a backstory of why. I can't remember the name character, the main character's name, who is the um, injured or wheelchair ridden soldier, but you find out why he's crippled, what happened to him, how, why he's so angry about his brother, why, you know, what was his, you know, what, why he was able to get on the mission in the first place. Sometimes too much is left on the cutting room floor or not included. That sometimes does make a difference on its own. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I mean, like, so they've got almost a three hour movie and they're adding more to it. I was going to say, that's a very long. That's why you watch it at home. So you can pause it and go to the bathroom or get yourself some more Doritos or licorice, right? Yes, licorice. So now I I want to go back to what Chris, I I agree with what Chris said earlier. And this is one of those things where what I appreciate is when in a film, they can find ways to put that backstory in a little sentence here, a little sentence there without mm-hmm. making a big thing about it. And you get, you, you can just, you know, that brevity and that conciseness and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to the point where like, there were a couple recent things in either Picard or strange new worlds, or I can't remember which series where every now and then I'd hear a line and it, it would be like the littlest line, but it explains Mm-hmm. And so like, oh, yeah, yeah. In season two of Discovery, when we first see Captain, the new, you know, Anson Mount's Captain Pike and the, right. the Enterprise, we see a 2021, 20, 22 version of 1960s Enterprise. And he's like, oh, yeah, take out the hologram stuff. I, I can't stand that. You know, like yes. in that one little thing they did explain away all, you know, like ask, stopped us from asking a thousand questions. <laughs> Why is there a hologram or a holodeck, right? right, right yes. Right. You know, like, so, so that was really like, I like mm-hmm. when they do that. And I'm convinced that if they put the time and effort into it, and I say this not having ever made a movie before and having no idea how much effort it really is, but I, I believe that they could have, you know, instead of having added 20 or 30 scenes, which explains all this mm-hmm. key line here and there like, is enough. Go ahead, like Chris. I always, I guess we'll talk about this next time. But Back to the Future One specifically does such an amazing job of that first conversation mm-hmm. at the McFly's house, where you learn everything you need to know about the characters and what they're and what is then going to be critical to the plot later in the movie. Mm-hmm. But they do it in a natural way, and so yes, I agree. If you could just get a line mm-hmm. here or there, you don't have to add twenty minutes to a three-hour movie, right? Right. But was that the original intention was to film all this because you'd end up with a larger movie. You'd end up with something that makes, you know, again, it makes mm. uh, uh, Endgame seem like a short film, short subject movie. Uh, yeah, it's nice to be. That's I think that's the beauty of yeah. the DVD or Blu-rays. Excuse me. Blu-rays, folks. We're in the 21st century. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the beauty of Blu-rays is that you can put in all this additional and then you can decide to watch it or not, you know, mm-hmm. and you can, you know, it, it, you can see, does it make a difference? It may not make a difference. It may, you may say, you know, the original film that was fine on its own, right. You know, mm-hmm. or you can watch the other added material and go, yeah, I, I see where this is missing or added to the movie, 
but you have the leisure of being able to, you know, watch it at your own pace. Well, if that added content makes such a big difference in the movie, was the movie really filmed well, like and and cut well to begin with? That's true. You know, yes. I mean, I know I have not seen it. I have not seen that extra content and I liked the movie just fine. Mm-hmm. And I like, and it was, I was okay not knowing more backstory. The movie worked without the backstory, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of cool. Sometimes you get backstory. I like backstory, but if it really is that impactful, then maybe the movie wasn't that good. You're, 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 you yeah, got a good it, point there. It's hard because a... I enjoyed it in the theater. I enjoyed the mm-hmm. experience of watching it, but I have tried watching it at home and it's just, I got to give it maybe another chance, but I just watched it like a bunch of times, like when it first came out at home or mm-hmm. maybe a year later, like, okay, this isn't, this isn't doing it for me. Yeah. But that I, experience was so special. Yeah. I don't think, I, yeah, I saw it in the theaters too. I was actually, I was pregnant with Frank oh. <laughs> when I saw it in the theaters. That and, shows how old this, how long it's uh-huh. been since that movie yeah, came out. That's, that's how, how I measure time. That's how yeah. I measure time. Mm-hmm. Was it first year of university? It was 2009? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. The year. But, uh, but the, I haven't seen it. I I don't think I've seen it since other than I think it's come on like some, you know, TV, you know, like sometimes Mm -hmm. you're flipping through the channel and it's on. Mm -hmm. So I've caught pieces of it, but I haven't, I don't think I've watched the full movie. Yeah. Ever since. Well, I bought mine at a blockbuster. That was fun. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, oh, this is a movie that I vaguely liked. I'm Mm going to buy it. It's cheap. It's a blockbuster. We'll do it. And then just never got into it. Well, when the movie first came out, we saw it in 3D. Yeah, and I see. so yep. the mm-hmm. yeah, and that was, I mean, that made the movie mm-hmm. really amazing. The colors, the images, the movement—it all really, really worked really well. Oh, it was incredible. So, so when, is it a... so when it came back out, when they came, they had a quick release before the Avatar: The Way of Water came out, we went and saw it at the theater one more time, but not in 3D, mm-hmm. and it was still great. But that, it you know, seeing it in 3D just made it just pop it really well, did again so is it is it if it requires i guess that pop yeah is it really that good of a movie yeah and, and i think I, that, also... I think there is i think there is a contingent of people that really don't like the movie and don't think it's that good and again i'm kind of like i liked it but obviously yeah, not I mean, enough to keep watching it again and again you know yeah i mean i enjoyed it for the first time and mm-hmm. maybe this is not avatar's fault but i do feel a little bit of resentment towards it because when avatar was successful Every movie started doing 3D. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not well. Yeah. And I no. was kind of drifted away from that. Yeah. You so, are absolutely, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because 3D, sometimes it can be, if it's animated, it's good. Because you can yeah, see it's the animated. layering. It's layering is really good. But when it's live action, it gets a little, it gets a little too much. Mm-hmm. It gets to be a little too much. And uh, again, it's, it's a novelty product. Yeah. You now, know, 3D. Go ahead. I was gonna say the name, the name Avatar, like makes sense for the movie because mm-hmm. he's in it makes an Avatar. Sense, but it's, I see where you're going with but, this. So this afternoon, Frank's like, "So what are you guys gonna talk about in your podcast?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "Oh, well, we're gonna talk about James Cameron films." And he's like, "What? Did, you know, what was that?" I was like, "Oh, well, like you know, Avatar." And he's like, "The Last mm-hmm. Airbender." Yeah. I'm like, no, uh, no, 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 no. That, that is currently one of Frank's favorite shows. And then he's like, well, you guys should talk about Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm like, but that's a fantasy TV series. And he's like, well, 
you can talk about fantasy too. So he might convince me to try to convince you guys to talk well, about I mean, Avatar: The Last Airbender. <laughs> we did do a whole episode of Lord of the Rings. So we did. We Anything did. Goes. And yeah. I've never really watched Avatar: The Airbender either. There, there was a movie and a series. I oh, believe, the movie right? I heard. Avoid the I movie. Don't, yeah, although... I don't know anything about okay. the movie. But we, but Frank be... made me watch the series. Okay. Yeah, it'd be fun to watch the series and the movie, but I've heard yeah. nothing but awful things about the movie. But yeah. the series, the series very, very was, was pretty good. And Frank, yeah, so Frank mm-hmm. like made me maybe watch it. And we are watching the Legend of Korra, which is the the follow on series afterwards, um, which we're in the middle of too. And no, it it, it is good. I, I do I do like mm-hmm. it. I like that the motif of it's kind of anime, but it isn't like strong I, anime. I see yeah. what you like. But I like even though I like anime. strong anime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, but I hear Frank's thing though. It's like it was confusing because when Avatar came out, I was like, "Wait, does this have anything to do with uh-huh. the other Avatar?" Yes. And I like the Last Airbender. No, the Last two Airbender came things. out first. It was first. It was there mm-hmm. first. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Now, and that's something to you know something also I guess to think of as like Avatar: The Last Airbender, which came out almost twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. It still holds up, and the current generation, you know, like I said, Frank and a lot of people still love that show. Mm-hmm. So that's holding up really well. Yeah, so that's always the question. It's like, is it because it's such because I look at uh, someone like George Lucas, where you say his technical mastery is there. Maybe not so much with the writing, but those movies hold up in a way that Avatar doesn't hold up. You're, you're yeah. referring to yeah. New Hope, Empire Strikes. Yeah, we're talking about and, original Star Wars, yes, where yeah. well, universally. Star Wars was only ninety minutes. So you can easily watch that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> it's very it's easy to, to sit through it, right? Right. And and the only and here's a, there's an example where George Lucas said, "Oh, I'm going to go add in the stuff I didn't put in the original movie," and no, it didn't help it. No, it was it not did, necessary. It didn't help it. You don't need no. to see uh, Han Solo stepping on Jabba the Hutt's tail, mm-hmm. and yeah, it 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 just you and you can really tell the difference which is the computer generated stuff mm-hmm. that was thrown in yep. after the fact so sometimes mm-hmm. it's best to leave well enough alone yes well that's what yes. i've heard about director's cuts and that's why i'm curious to watch like um sorry which one did you say was it t2 or was it t the first one that has the director no no, no sorry it's a completely different franchise aliens uh, aliens that has aliens the director's yeah cut. aliens have that um director's cut mm-hmm. version and uh yeah so, so so sometimes it is like you said leave well enough alone you know yes. if that's what you well, wanted to put it... out there go ahead you know but, well, you were uh, yeah. to, it felt like you were about to uh start another like debate adina well oh so my oh, not a debate but i do have a question sure like i don't i've never completely understand the concept of a director's cut i say director's cut in quotes because isn't the movie that makes it to the theater the director's cut like is he not the person he or she not the person who is responsible for what we're seeing on the screen or are there other forces at I, work okay I, i've never I always, really understood that that concept of the director's cut well a perfect example of that goes back to 1986 the movie brazil i love brazil okay you know, I there were Terry two Gilliam. versions that the theaters that was in the theaters of that movie. The original that? version that came out that Terry is it Terry Gilliam? Terry Gilliam, right? yeah, from Terry Monty Gilliam Python. Made, yeah, where it ends on a very dark, sad level, right? Yeah. 
I believe it was Paramount who produced, who was the people behind the movie. They did not like that. And so they recut the movie and made it a happy ending. And that is panned by critics. You know, I did know about that. It's been a long time since I've thought about that. I did. I don't think I knew the order or something about that, but I think I was aware that there were different endings for it. So there was a Terry Gill. So the director's cut is the Terry Gilliam film Mm -hmm. that he put out that I saw originally in the theater when it first came out. Mm -hmm. And then I heard about the, the corporate version. And I believe I seen bits and pieces of that. And it's, it's not a good movie. So, yeah. So I guess, so is it, I guess, is it true that, what we typically will see in a theater that is not that is after the director has their final say in the product and mm-hmm. then other people get their hands on it and these other I people are responsible for what we really ultimately see it, it i think so like, yeah go ahead chris I, I always have the feeling that it's either the studio doesn't like something that was already there or they're just cutting stuff out for time because they want to keep it concise but um like there's the other extreme. Why am I blanking on the movies? Uh, this is really embarrassing. Justice League and then the Zack Snyder cut. Like that was a whole other oh yes thing. Which I'm not sure the story behind. Like I don't know why the studio didn't like that cut specifically. Mm-hmm. But my but impression were... is always it's either cutting for time or the studio is not happy with certain things. So then the director will come out later and be like, "Here's the vision that I would have liked to have told." That's I feel like that's really weird because I feel like that kind of degrades the and maybe that's the whole bit with commercialization and quote unquote Hollywood and stuff like that Mm -hmm. is because I I would think I would like to think that the director is the person who is responsible for the product or maybe you know I don't know it's hard because a lot of times we're making a movie Mm -hmm. but sir no as I say you would hope that the director would be at the very end going. Okay. My stamp of approval. That, that, yes. I, yeah. I, I approve of it. Or yeah. he might, you know, the director might say, uh, "I'm, re- I'm. You, you guys can release it. My name will be on it, but I'm not happy with what you've done or what you've allowed the editing department to do with this film." It would be the equivalent of Adina going, "Well, here's my four robot books. You know, I'm going to go back to the first one and go. You know something." I could have put more in the mm-hmm. first book. So I'm going to rewrite the first book. Well, actually, what and I put think, stuff into it. I think a better analogy for that would be, and this is why I'm I'm probably best suited to being an indie author, is if I wasn't an indie author, if I was getting published by a major publishing house, yeah, I I wouldn't have control over the cover, mm-hmm. possibly even the name of the book and a lot of edits. And I had this happen to me. And it's one of the reasons why I was been very committed to being an indie author is because years and years ago, I had uh, a bad experience with a traditional publisher where I had published two books about the retail store I used to own. And they were mm-hmm. kind of memoiry like books. And I had self-published them. And a, a traditional publishing house picked them up and said, hey, well, hey, we'd love to republish these together in one book. And I said, okay, you know, I wasn't working on those books. I wasn't really marketing them. So to me, it was like, okay, a little extra money. Sure. Why, you know, why not? But then in that process now, they changed the name to a name I did not like. They changed the cover to a cover I was okay with. 
And when we were working on, when they were re-editing it, again, some things were okay, some things not. At the end of the day, any argument we had, I lost. And especially because of the name of the book, I won't, I don't, I mean, it's there, it's on Amazon, it's under my name, but I don't promote it. I don't try to sell it. I don't do anything. Uh, mostly because I'm very unhappy with the name that I, I that they chose that for That was it. given to it for, yeah. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. you know, as an indie, as an indie author, the buck stops here. I can, I'm responsible for every decision and that's what I, that's, I'm happy with that. So if my books fail, it's not because someone else made a bad decision that I disagreed with. It's, it would, it's my decisions, you know? So I guess the film industry is more like my traditionally published book model. I I guess I don't, I think like, that's what I've heard a lot. Like, especially if you're looking at like a big studio who they have to report to their shareholders Mm -hmm. and the shareholders Mm -hmm. don't really know, from my understanding, don't really understand the film world or like understand what is actually enjoyable. So there's a lot of times where studios will just like make these decisions for films that will just not do well. And then the director's forced to doing the thing that the studio wants, even when the director themselves knows it's not the right call for the film. Mm-hmm. And that's, so, you see it all the time. And that's usually first, when you hear creative differences. Is yeah. So that happened. So what I'm hearing is when we first see a film, mm-hmm. we should not scream at the director we should give the director some grace because maybe this is not what they wanted yeah because it's like the <laughs> yeah. thing it's like yes you can blame the Star director but it's like yeah same thing like shatner yeah. had a lot of other ideas and there yeah. was budgetary issues mm-hmm. um but there's just i think sometimes we as consumers forget how much work goes into making a film like um i've been binging these little clips of i think it's called the empire of dreams which is the like if you bought like the one of the older releases of the star wars films it was a whole documentary about lucas and all the five minute all the films um and so like watching some of those and seeing all the work he put into episode one it's like wow it's hard to it's how you have to remember that there's like thousands of people involved it's not just all lucas um so yeah i think you can't just always win the director i think is the point yeah that's good okay. good okay we will be nice to directors if we've ever been mean to directors we're, we're sorry no they 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 juggle a lot to get mm-hmm. their product put and out and that's there. probably true for producers and for for everyone in the whole and and yeah. for poor writers that are on strike right now too yes. who who yeah. write something and they hand it to them and they go this is great thank you and then you see only three lines of your original dialogue in the film that you mm-hmm. won't. And you go, but that's not the movie I made. But hey, whoever has whoever's paying for it, they're going to have the final say so. And so that's what happens. So I guess to we really getting into the final thing about, um, you know, in total earnings. Yes. Steven Spielberg is number one. And James Cameron is number two. And just to give you a list of other directors who are in the top 10 of filmmakers who have been successful, you've got the Russo brothers. Okay, for sure. You've got Peter Jackson, who gave you some Lord of the something or other Mm -hmm. films. You've got Michael Bay. The Transformers. Transformers. God, well, yeah. Oh, that's right. He gave us Armageddon. What am I talking about? Great director. Excuse me. Um, Wait, wait, wait. Michael Bay also gave us. Oh, I guess. Yeah. No, I was thinking. Okay. I'm thinking of someone else. Never mind. My bad. That's okay. Uh, David Yates, a name I'm not familiar with. Oh, he was. uh, 
Harry Potter. Oh, that's right. Thank you. Harry Potter. That's right. Christopher Nolan, who has made Mm -hmm. a multitude of different types of films that we love. Some guy named J.J. Abrams. Never heard of him. Okay. Never heard of him. Uh, A funny, a funny, weird looking guy, Tim Burton. Mm -hmm. And then last number 10 is uh, Ridley Scott, who gave us, um, who gave us Alien to begin with. And here we are going, if it wasn't for Ridley Scott's work and what the movie he made, you wouldn't have Aliens and so on. Mm -hmm. So if you really look at the work of James Cameron and the number of films he's released, is he really that good of a director or he just made movies that appealed to people that, that sold them, that got people to go back in line to, to see it over and over again. What do you final analysis of James Cameron? Let's put it that way. I think final analysis is very good. It's mm-hmm. hard to say who the best is because I guess you'd have to, for one thing, I'd have to see Avatar 2 and see how much I enjoy it. But I don't know if there's a scientific way you can be like, how many movies did they make and how many of those, like percentage-wise, who has mm-hmm. a higher percentage of positive reviews? Right. I don't know how you'd break that down. Yeah, or do you measure by, okay, how many Academy Awards does it get for writing or or directing or you know, how many have they received and so forth. I mean, yes, Spielberg's been extremely successful, mm-hmm. but he's made a lot of movies and it goes a back a well, long way. But you're if assuming you're measuring success by by money and the amount of money that the films have pulled in. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that is necessarily the best measure of success in this because I don't think so, because then you get like Michael Bay, who makes a lot of money off of the Transformers film. I like the first one a lot. Love the mm-hmm. first one, but I can't deal with the other ones. And right. a lot so of other films like... he's made as well, which have been theatrical because they they they're easy to watch. You know, it you watch Transformers and it's the same thing every time, over and over and over again. And except for except for Bumblebee. That was great. That was a and that wasn't him. That was a very good Transformer film. Um, but otherwise, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, yeah. they're, it, they're popcorn movies. Right. right. And, and a good film movies. has to start with a good script. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If You could have the best director on the planet. And if they're given a script that and that isn't the best or isn't great, they can't necessarily turn that into something good where mm-hmm. they could easily take a good script and screw it up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. So, yes. you know, if I, as I'm looking at these different, different directors, you know, so James Cameron, I think he's been almost right place, right time. He mm-hmm. got some really good, he got a, he got a handful of really good scripts and he didn't screw it up. <laughs> Yeah. Now, I mean, that's that's not that might not be entirely fair because I know, right? There's a lot of work going into it, but you know, Titanic could have come out a lot. You know, could 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 have been bad. It was great. It was Titanic was was fantastic. You know, Terminator Two was fantastic. But mm-hmm. then I go look at Steven Spielberg's list, mm-hmm. and okay, maybe these were not the highest grossing films individually, but these were amazing films, each in its mm-hmm. own right and very Don't individually. What? E.T. Yeah. Can I mention E.T.? We had a yes. very long discussion about that well, on the weekend. Yeah. E.T. is a great film. Raiders of the Lost Ark was a great film. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Jaws. The Color Purple. You mm-hmm. know. Uh, oh, my God. I mean, like, there's so many. Again, the first Jurassic Park movie. Schindler's right. List. Yep. You know, like, there are amazing movies, like, 
over and over and over again, he's got these great things. And so, one of, and one of his greatest films hmm. was on television. Duel. Have you ever seen Duel? I have not seen that one. I've not no. seen. You have to see it because he takes a tanker truck and makes it a living, breathing creature that is out to get this poor individual played by Dennis Weaver. The camera angles, the images, the way they make the truck, it it's exhaust roaring like a monster that's out to kill this individual. It is a great mm. movie. And it was on ABC as part of their like mm. they had these Tuesday and Wednesday night movies of the week. And he mm -hmm. released it. And it is sheer genius. You yeah. have to watch it. It is an it's a, it's a marvelous marvelous movie. So yeah, he's and he's done a lot. He he made a TV series called Amazing Stories, which gave a lot of young act mm -hmm. directors and writers access to it. And yes, his multitude. If you look at the broad spectrum of films he's made, he really is much better than James Cameron. But James Cameron made movies that sold. So mm. you know what what is it? You look at the best car. That does more of the most efficient, fuel efficient, roomy, seats a lot of people, does all those things, or is it the flashy car that sells and makes a lot of money? You know, it's which is what is you know is. what your measure of success is. It's hard. It's really mm -hmm. is hard to say. I think Steven Spielberg. If you're going to have to pick one, you have to say Steven Spielberg <laughs> just because of the sheer number of hits. Yeah, and like I feel like when James Cameron releases a movie, people are like, yeah, it could be really good or it could be okay. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, if Steven Spielberg releases something, it's like, oh, we've got to go see the new Spielberg movie. That's right. Yeah. That's you're absolutely right. But then, you know, Peter Jackson, I mean, he made the Lord of the Ring film super mm -hmm. successful, very well done, and beloved by people. But then you know? he also made The Hobbits, yeah. which and and Christopher Nolan. I mean, he's made a lot of very interesting films. He's got another one coming out this year that I want to see, Oppenheimer. Which if oh, he doesn't, yeah. oh, I want to see that. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's going to be really good. And J.J. Abrams has, you know, thank goodness he 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 helped move along the Star Trek franchise by reinventing it in his own particular way. It just this guy just offers him like just a little piece of feedback for J.J. Mm -hmm. Just if you start something, just continue with it. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. He has a tendency yeah. of like, yeah. You know, oh, oh, what was that? Squirrel, squirrel, and he looks yeah. over, and he's off to another project. And he does. It's it's what's happened to him many times, even with his TV shows like Alias. Oh and, yeah, and and uh, Lost, where the movies, the shows start out really great because he's really involved with it, and then he loses interest. He goes to someplace else, mm -hmm. and then other people have to pick up the pieces, and it's just not the same any longer. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. Yep. So. You got to be committed. So, well, any any last thoughts about Mr. Cameron that you want to share? I'm in a T two mood now. I have to go and find that. Yeah, I and do want to see the way of water. The way of I oh, have the seen way of water. I did see the way the of water. Yes, the way of water. I did see it, and uh, I won't say anything. I leave it to your own. Make your own decision as to Make if you decision. like it or not like it, whatever. But it's been super sick. It's already made over $2 billion. So the world loves it because they mm. were waiting for James Cameron. I don't know. But what do they love it or was it just because everybody was curious about it? Yeah. Is it, I don't, it, it's not like a Maverick thing where like all I heard when Maverick came out was how good Maverick was. But I, feel like I haven't heard that about. I've heard, okay, Avatar 2 is pretty good. Well, that, that's because yeah. Maverick is a much better movie than the original <laughs> Top Gun. 
that it, is true. It, it's it's a much better developed story adventure. Though of course it is Star Wars also. It hey, was Mission Star Impossible. Wars. It was yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, right down the trench. Got to mm-hmm. find yep. the target. Five millimeter. You know, a five meter target. Oh, my targeting system has failed. I'm just going to have to use my emotions to launch. But also, the Star missile. Wars also got that for World War II stuff. So that's not the topic of the episode Again, today. Well, right. So yeah, they yeah. just all it's like circular. things come from things, and that's okay. Something. Yep, yep. Exactly. we're inspired. We're, but nobody has inspired the big sci-fi podcast because it's original. Because no one has ever talked about science fiction no on a podcast before. No one's ever talked about science fiction <laughs> on a podcast before. And no one's ever talked about Star Wars or Star Trek or any of these things. We were the original. The very first ones. <laughs> the very first. Uh-oh, I think we better make sure our attorneys are ready to go. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. And with that, we come to the conclusion of another episode of the greatest podcast of all time, the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. If you agree with that thought, and we sure hope you do, please share it with us on Facebook, on Instagram, Trek Geeks, where we're now a part of that wonderful group of podcasters. Mm-hmm. Send us your thoughts to the big sci-fi podcast at gmail.com. And we look forward to your opinions and thoughts. They help us to shape our product and what we do. And as always, I leave you with this parting thought. Keep watching the sky. Live long and prosper.